0: The Braves finally have a winning week. I think it shows what we're capable of
1: and and the team that we are. Welcome to the Braves Report, the new podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that takes you inside the clubhouse and gives you the stories behind the score. I'm Jay Black with your AJC Braves beat reporter, Justin Toscano, who is at Truist Park. And Justin, for the first time this season, the Braves kind of looking sort of like what we expect,
2: right? Yeah. Good starting pitching all weekend. And then you had the offense bust out um, today. And, and, you know, they, they took the last two games of the series. Great defense um, looked like the talented and elite team that we expected them to be all season. So a really good end to the week for the, these Braves.
1: Coming up, how Atlanta was able to stamp out the Brewers again. Plus, we've got some great conversations, Justin, that you got with Charlie Morton and Adam Duvall about how they're trying to turn things around. Plus, we'll also talk about what we learned about the Mets series, our winners of the week, and, of course, your mailbag questions. A reminder, if you're hearing us for the first time, please follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. The Braves Report is brought to you by Kroger. Well, Justin, the Braves were 0-4 on Sundays until they busted out the pink for Mother's Day, so we finally get to do a winning show.
2: Oh, there we go. Yeah, I think uh, do we owe the credit to the mothers because I think it was before that. I mean, we were going to have to change our show days uh, before they won this one. So I, I think, um, yeah, they, they finally got in the win column. Big to take a series from the Brewers who are the NL Central leaders and came into this one very hot and have a very solid team on most facets so yeah this was a a good end to the week if you put this one with how that one in New York ended.
1: Here's how Snitz summed it up.
2: We're still
0: trying to get our foothold you know you love to get everything going and get on a run but I, I think you know play the with this like say the split in New York and winning a series off a first place team is is big for us.
1: It's still early May we obviously know long long way to go but how important was this week for this team?
2: Yeah, it's hard to put into words the 180 in momentum and confidence that could be experienced uh, by the way they ended this week. Uh, Obviously, you know, they're professional athletes. They're confident. They believe in themselves. They have a reason to. They have the ring to prove it. But for a team that felt that it wasn't playing its best baseball just yet, to get swept in that doubleheader, then to come back in that next day and have a seven-run inning, split a series in New York against a team that is playing its best baseball— and then come out here back to Truist Park and play a great team, a great pitching staff, two great pitchers, Eric Lauer and Corbin Burns, and you you get two out of three against the Brewers, who are the, the leaders in their division, it's big. It does show you, like Brian Snicker said, what you're capable of. But it's also like these little plays that they made that are very encouraging to me, whether it's that Travis Demerit diving catch to preserve the lead, uh, with Max Freed on the mound or Travis Darnot throwing out two runners or the Braves ending you know the game on Saturday with a strike him out, throw him out. Those little plays that they're executing, those aren't fluky. Those are plays we know they can make, and I think they're really finally starting to tighten things up uh, just in time for the offense to come around, uh, which it didn't. It's, it's been inconsistent, uh, but it's been there, and it's not for lack of talent. And I think I, I personally always think – You can't replace talent. You can't just go out and and get that in droves like the Braves have it. So they're in a good spot. They just have to keep playing and hoping they kind of catch that run to to finally reach their potential. But this is as close to it maybe as it's looked, you know, in a three-game sample.
1: You mentioned that seven-run outburst against the Mets earlier in the week, and you sent me a piece of sound from Bryce Dicker saying, hold on to this one. It may be important about – how the team was trying to break out and just get something going with runners in scoring positions. Hitting only 219 coming into Sunday, had the sixth worst OPS in baseball. But here's what Snit had to say after what happened in New York. I mean, it's
0: contagious, you know, because when it doesn't happen, then guys press. You know, the the human nature is to want to be the guy. And like I said earlier, a lot of times it's counterproductive. And I think when that guy in front of you, So we say, like, keep the line moving. You know, it's that guy in front of you gets a hit and kind of eases that next guy up.
2: I I think I think it's really true because if you look at a team that for most of the season so far hasn't had Ronald Acuna, he's back now, but hasn't had him. You start to struggle a little bit, and guys do try to do too much. You know, you can see it in the at bats; they're trying to do too much. They're not the situational hitting uh, kind of goes down the drain a little bit, and it is human nature, like Brian Snicker alluded to. But I do think this thing is is sort of contagious. Are you going to score seven runs in an inning every week? No. Are you you know going to score every series? No. No, absolutely not. But to see the guy in front of you having success and know that because the line is moving you can just put together a good at-bat and and put the ball in play, I think that's encouraging for guys. And I think that means something, especially because the guy on the mound when all this started, Tyler McGill, uh, started that no-hitter for the Mets in his previous start before starting against the Braves. So this was a team that was facing a potential series loss, dropping three out of four in New York, um, which would have been disastrous. And you come back and you get get the split – uh, you see it happen in the beginning. And I think that's something that Adam Duvall mentioned when I when I asked him You know, after that game is, they know what they can do, but to see it finally happen, to experience it, to feel it, to and, and to be part of it, I think those are two different things. Um, and that's different than just knowing it can happen. So that's where I think this is big, is because you saw it in this, this Sunday game, or you saw it on Saturday when the Braves were taking advantage of a couple of Brewers' mistakes that that thing can be so contagious. They've got such a deep lineup that when it gets rolling together, it's really tough for pitchers to stop. And really they're only a hit or two away from really starting something. And I think uh, they're one of the few teams in baseball that can do that on a consistent basis. And that is solely because of how deep and talented their lineup is. You can't replace that talent.
1: One of the best parts about this week is Ronald Acuna did, uh, in fact, play every day that the Braves had a game and continues to get more bats.
2: It's just getting
0: better and better, and it's, um, you know, as he's getting consistent at bats, you kind of figured that would be like that. And I think he's doing a really good job of, of maintaining and, and being smart about coming, you know, because I've seen a few times where he's come out of the box and guys caught the ball and he's kind of not pushed it too much and pushed it when he has to, and he's, he's done a really good job and all that also.
1: Two homers. This series was this close to a third on Sunday. Stolen a couple of bases, and LeBron loves him. So I guess it,
2: uh, I guess this counts as a win for Ronald. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, I mean to get tweeted at by LeBron James. Uh, quote tweeting Ronald Acuna doing the the silencer celebration, mimicking LeBron. There, um, he was he was hyped about that. But even better for the Braves is just that he looks as close to normal as we've seen him. I mean, I, I saw him in spring training, and he looked like Ronald Acuna. But now to get that timing against big league pitching um, and good big league pitching at that, you know, taking Corbin Burns on Saturday's game to the wall, you know, off the brick wall in right field, things like that are very encouraging to see that power. And then to Homer, you know, in back to back days and to hit two balls off the wall in this series and to steal a couple more bases. And he's got more stolen bases now, you know, in, in a week and change of playing with the team than the team had before he returned. So that's added a completely different dynamic. And then to have his outfield defense and to be a little more tightened up in the outfield uh, with what they can do and how they can be flexible now that um, they can play him there. And to see him play there back-to-back days, uh, Friday and Saturday, that's a great sign um, to see him play there You know, two days in a row. This is really as close as we've seen him look to himself. And Brian Snicker mentioned today that, Heck, he might even be faster now. And I know Ronald Acuna thinks he he is faster now than he was last year. He was before the injury. Um, So everything really is looking great. They're playing this smart, um, but the signs have been good. When there was, you know, misty conditions in New York, he still played. He played, you know, the two days in a row in right field. Like this is – and he's looking like himself. You know, infield singles, he's putting pressure on teams, like on the bases, um, stinging balls. Got from first
1: to home on a blooper today.
2: Or yeah, just the things that, you know, Ronald Acuna can do on a daily basis, uh, and then what doesn't hurt is when you see that one home run, and, you know, he fell down because he slipped, still hit that ball 450 feet, and then the second home run, oh, it wasn't that long, but it was it was only 420 feet, so I think this is great news for the Braves, because when you add a guy like that, it does seem obvious, but the Effects are just going to be tenfold, just because now pitchers have to think about that. People around him, you know, guys around him see better pitching. And then to have to deal with him four or five times a game, you know, navigating a lineup, that's that's really tough. And so this is, this is really good news for the Braves, because even as others struggle at times, um, to have him back, to have him looking like himself, just gives them a completely different edge that they did not have in the season's first three weeks.
1: I know the Braves said they were going to take it slow with him, but his only game off was the the doubleheader, which makes total sense. Do you feel like he's ahead of the plan, or they will adjust the plan?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think there's they've shown fluidity, right? So in spring training, at one point it was like, well, he can, you know, late May. It's looking like late May, and then it's like, well, you know, maybe DHing the end of April, and then you know we'll see when he gets back in the outfield. And then it was, you know, oh May sixth, and then it was a week in change, you know, a week before May 6th. And so they've shown they'll be fluid with that and that nothing is set in stone and I think that's a good thing. So I know that Brian Snicker has said that he Acuña will not be an everyday outfielder until the 12-month mark, which is sometime in July. So they will continue to be cautious with him, but I he seems ahead of the plan to me in the sense that they are being as fluid as they can be in evaluating this on a daily approach because, you know, he has looked so good and because they want to have the most, you know, up to date plan for him. So that 12 month mark to me, you know, just in my opinion doesn't seem so hard and fast now because they played him, you know, two days in a row in right field. The only game he took off was the doubleheader. So I think they've shown they're willing to be fluid here and he really does seem ahead of the plan and that's the way it's gone. I mean, I think Acuña's wanted to play all along. He said the first day, you know, we talked to him in spring training that If it were up to him, he'd be ready opening day. Uh, When he came back and returned here to Truist Park um, on that day of his return, he said that he felt he could have played a nine-inning game by the second week of spring training. So they've been cautious with him all along, and for good reason. But I do think that all along he has felt and looked like he's probably ahead of that plan.
1: As dynamic as Acuna has looked, uh, the Braves' number one starter, Max Freed, slipped a little bit on Saturday. He walked somebody.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That is that just goes to show how far Max Freed has come. If you think about him in twenty eighteen, him near his debut to what he was, and to even being a good starter to what he's become now, a great starter, an ace level pitcher, a number one. You know, there's obviously some debate in there about ace versus a number one, and and how you classify that. I'm sure we can get to that, but just to have. Max Freed in a season where Charlie Morton has experienced some struggles, in a season where that fifth spot has kind of been a revolving door, um, in a season when you know Ian Anderson took a little bit to get his footing, took a couple starts after the weird spring to get his footing, Max Freed has been the constant. Um, and really, in that opening night when he gave up five earned runs he looked a lot better than the line indicated. And so to have this guy here to me, just gives the Braves a bona fide number one starter, a guy you can really rely on every five days out. And that's the way it's become like Brian sticker said recently that every time Freed takes the mound, he just thinks they're going to win that game. And that's what you need because the Braves won without, you know, one of these star studded rotations last year, you know, they don't have Bueller Urias Kershaw, you know, it's not one, one of those, one of those ridiculously, you know, or, DeGrom, well, he's not playing, but the theoretical DeGrom, Scherzer, Bassett, Carrasco, but they have, you know, four really good starters who, you know, need to be really good, and to have Max Freed pitching like an ace, that just sets the tone for everybody else, and that makes you believe in this Braves rotation for the long haul, and makes you believe that it can be what we all thought it would be.
1: He lost the first two. He's won the next four. His whip is now down to 084. He's had two walks this season. Didn't walk anybody after his first start until Saturday. But you opened that door, so walk through it. Are you going to say Max Fried is an ace, or is he a high-level number one guy right now, or aspiring ace?
2: Yeah, yeah, I think he's an aspiring ace. I mean, I think we need to see a little bit more from him. Um, The World Series game is one of those games that can kind of just, like, shoot somebody up and really since the second half of last year when the Braves were going on their run Freed has been excellent um, and he's pitched like an ace and like if he continues this this season and finishes a season like he has started it I'm ready to call him an ace but for right now I think he's a very very high level number one pitcher and that's no disrespect to him I just think we need to see it over you know a season see if this continues and if he can keep this hot streak and I don't see that ending. Like, if I were to make a prediction now, I would say that we will sit here in five, six, seven months and call Max Fried an ace. I think the idea of an ace is special to baseball, and we should not diminish its value. I think there are very few of them in the game. Um, And so I think, uh, yeah, it's it's a pretty high standard, but I think he's basically almost reaching it right now.
1: I respect your high standards, by the way. I, I think you should hold aces to high standards. He was also very happy that uh, of the defense that was being played behind him on Saturday. I know that when I'm out there uh,
3: and the guys are making those kinds of plays, it's, uh, it just takes sort of stress and whatever pressure you have out there on yourself, you know, that you don't have to wear it or you know,
2: shoulder it on.
1: Story of the first week of the season was the Braves' defense was pretty pretty suboptimal. Not talking about the defense much anymore, so probably means you feel a little better about it hundred
2: percent. Yeah, no, hundred percent. That's one of those things where it's like a reliever when a reliever comes in, you know, post game or you're at his locker relievers. That's, that's usually not good. That's the same thing with this defense. But I found it interesting that you have a team like the Brewers that comes in um, first place team and the juxtaposition of the Braves defense and the Brewers defense, the Brewers played a horrific defensive series, um, especially in these last two games multiple errors. Uh, Lorenzo Cain had a pretty lazy error. Um, Ozzie Albies had a ball that just went off of Rowdy Tellez uh, at first base. Um, today, you saw that blooper, and then what happened after it, and the airmail throw, everything like that. On the other hand, you saw the Braves. Dansby Swanson made a you know a diving catch on a 107-mile-an-hour ball, I, I believe it was, and then a diving stop on another ball for an out. Travis Demerit made that diving catch I alluded to earlier. Um, and then you had the Braves controlling the running game and really control, patro- controlling the bases in terms of Travis Darno throwing two guys out, uh, the strike them out, throw them out. These were little clean, crisp plays that the Braves made today that you just need to make, Like, and you need to make plays against a team like the Brewers. You need to make plays against teams like the Dodgers. You know, like the Padres that they played earlier, like um, even you know, like the Mets um, and you know the whoever you want to say these these good teams that have talent, you need to be making these plays, and the Braves have been doing the little things extremely well um, over the past few days, and I think that's the most encouraging thing is that now it's like, yeah, like you have Dansby Swanson's Sports Center type catches. And those are a big part of it, too. But they're also doing the little things well. And I think the Braves have tightened up the tightened up the fundies, if you will. How does Dansby rank defensively among NL shortstops to you? He's one of the better ones. I personally think um, Francisco Lindor and I think uh, Trey Turner is another one of those guys. You know, like defensively, if we're just going defensively, Dansby Swanson's got to be, you know, top five to me. I mean, I think he's an excellent shortstop. I mean, I think he's a guy who, yeah, if you're talking about the best all-around shortstops in the NL, he's probably not going to be on your list because, you know, that bat is too inconsistent. But defensively, he's about as good as you're going to find. And that's really what you need. Because I know, I understand it. Like, people are upset that he, you know, he wasn't hitting to start the season. But to have that glove out there is a massive plus uh, for this Braves team. And I think he's got to be one of the better defensive shortstops um, in baseball. So certainly, you know, top five in the NL. And Dansby's
1: on one of his heaters, 333 over his last 15 games. he got two more hits on Sunday, so he's hitting now. Meanwhile, the Braves Report is brought to you by Kroger, and it is May. We've just finished Mother's Day, which means summer travel season is just around the corner, but gas prices are still sky high. They're inching down just a tad, but it's not going to get any better. So anything you can do to save some money on that summer road trip will help, right? Well, here's one thing to consider. Becoming a Kroger Boost member. You get more benefits and more savings, like free deliveries on your groceries, but kroger boost members also get double fuel points so if you join now you can stock up on those points and save big for one of your big trips so you get to save money on gas save money on food save money on delivery and much more for as little as 59 bucks a year so to enroll go to kroger.com boost that is kroger.com slash boost now let's talk about charlie morton who finally had a decent outing on sunday you know the ball still it's coming out
0: good i mean you know his velocity has is, is remained really good, and and it's just kind of location and repeating and and um, like. But I, it was I don't know what he did today to get those. I mean he kind of got them where you know they looked like strikes, you know, as opposed to a ball out of the hand. And um, you know, so I, but I told him when he came, I said you know it's like we're looking for positives, and it was a positive today in, in what he did. I mean, he left with, what, no runs and two hits, I think. So um, gets a, a really good team. So that's a definite step in the right direction for him.
1: Now, one of the things we're trying to do with this podcast is go right to the source and get you the reasons why things are happening. You can all see when a player's playing well or when he's struggling, but we want to try to bring you more of that conversation about the observations and the adjustments that happen to players throughout a season. And, Justin, you had that access, and earlier this week, Charlie Morton gave you a lot of his time about his slow start. You said a
2: couple starts ago, like if you just quit when something got bumpy, you would have retired ten years ago. Mm. How have you developed that confidence to the point where right now you can search for answers, but you're not freaking out?
3: Um, I guess I've always cared a lot about my performance, so
1: that has that's given me the motivation,
3: but it's also provided me a lot of doubt and anxiety because when things haven't gone well and you're, you're searching for who you are on the mound, on the field, that starts to leak into just how you feel on a day-to-day basis. So you're not doing your job, and so like you start to feel like in, a, in an environment where how you perform in your job is a large part of how people look at you on a day-to-day basis. I guess I've become numb to that in a lot of ways. Um, um, being susceptible to the stress and the, and the anxiety and the doubt um, and certainly those feelings will always be there as long as you care about something and as long as you're being honest with yourself but I think the danger was before um, there were some for me, there were some deep existential questions about myself. Can I ever get to a place where I'm at peace with who I am on the field and I've had, and I've proven to enough people and to myself, mostly to myself, that I can do it? So those questions have been answered at this point. It's just, at this, at this point in my career, though, well, I'm still in a clubhouse. I still have a job today, and so the motivation is still there for me to go out and try to better myself. But I would say, yeah, I'm, I I think I noticed um, that some of my motivation was based off of wanting to avoid negative results and situations in the game, which I'm sure is true for a great deal of people. Whereas some people are driven a lot by what they want to achieve and attain, and their their goals are actually specific goals. Um, whereas it seemed like sometimes my goals were avoidance of failure, so I still have that, but I would say that's probably a why I kept getting opportunities. to to go out there and figure it out and eventually I did and you know I was able to make some necessary adjustments I was able to transform a little bit into a different type of pitcher and I, I wound up with some really great people working with great people on a day to day basis that really helped me out so it's not that simple but I
1: would say that's the Long, short. Justin, do you feel like there was some foreshadowing in that half-hour conversation of what you saw on Sunday?
2: A little bit, yeah. So past the doubt and anxiety that comes with a search or that comes with on-field struggles and past those deep existential questions that Charlie feels he's already answered, earlier in that conversation, which lasted around 30 minutes, um, he told me that we were discussing the reasons that perhaps, you know, the chase rate was lower um, against him. And so one thing he had mentioned was that he had wondered if there was something in his delivery that was giving something away um, or something in his delivery that could be changed. And he didn't mean tipping pitches, but just something that was there that maybe hitters had a natural reaction to or natural response to. Now, it wasn't that, but he mentioned his delivery after today's game and how his load was a little different he got his legs under him more, um, and he felt more athletic. Uh, and he thinks it's a matter of, you know, this is a guy who fractured his fibula. Uh, he had five, you know, five months ago, you know, all the last five months have been very different from him, changed his routines. Everything changed because of rehab. Um, and then you have the mental block that comes with an injury. And so he felt that he was just a little more of an athletic position, athletic load, and, and kind of in that delivery, um, and kind of is trying to get back to that place where he could explode off the mound, and I think that's a big part of it. Uh, I think you you can see that maybe there a lot goes into that, but charlie morton who's who's always very insightful um and you know I'm thankful for that as somebody who covers the team, you know he it's it's hard he didn't know why his pitches just weren't getting you know the same reactions from hitters as as he's used to, and so today. He seemed to feel, you know, good about a step in the right direction. With he was seeing hitters react to his pitches a little more like he has expected in the past. Like react to that a little. They were behind on the heater, um, you know, chasing the curveball a little more, uh, and that's about what he expects and about where he wants to be. And so he feels like he's closer now. But I think in that conversation there was a little foreshadowing in the fact that the biggest crux of this um, situation in his eyes was why is my stuff not getting the same type of swings from hitters if it grades the same as it once did uh, with the metrics. And so I think today he got, he got a lot of those reactions and a lot of those results that he's always expected. But I think the foreshadowing comes in that he really wasn't going to change anything. You know, he basically said, he's, I'm not, you know, I'm a strikeout pitcher. I'm not going to change. It. I'm not going to become a contact guy. The result, you know, my stuff isn't telling me that yet because my stuff, is still there, and I think that was a frustrating part for him, is he felt like his stuff was still there, that it wasn't different. It just wasn't getting the same type of results. And today, he started to get more and more of those results, which is a very encouraging step in the right direction.
1: Now, there's also Adam Duvall, who's just been unable
2: to get above the Mendoza line so far this year. I was wondering what you saw in your your own swing, because I know it's like it seems like you, you hit balls hard, or it seems like the bats have, have been good. Like yeah. I, I was yeah. wondering, like what you've seen in, in yourself with the swing thing.
0: Yeah, I think. The biggest thing, the biggest like piece, uh, is staying connected throughout the swing, which means not like letting your hands get too far away from your body, or even too close. Um, and uh, you know, and it allows you to like, it allows you to move the bat through the zone uh, like more effectively and more accurately. And so, I think that's uh, like that's the biggest thing right now. That's the biggest piece is um, trying to find that connection. And then just take that connection all the way through the swing. And not not shooting the hands out too far or even sucking them in too close because then you're just not as in a strong position.
2: Oh, because that limits your strength if they're theoretically too close or too far because right. you can't really, like, right. you're not you're using your weaker. full force.
0: Yeah, you're in a weaker position. So I think that's the, that's the
2: thing that I'm working on right now.
1: Finally got his uh, second homer on Sunday, so starting to show a little bit signs of life.
2: Hundred um, percent. And the weird thing I find with Adam Duvall is, if you go to his um, baseball savant page, uh, and I was looking at some of those numbers just to see, you know, if the at bats had been good, like like my eyes told me, um, if the results had been just, you know, unfortunate his end, the hard hit rate is about the same, if not higher. Um, and when I looked, his average exit velocity was higher. Like that would have been his second highest of his career as of Friday if the season ended that day I know that's a very small sample but it just goes to show you that he's still hitting balls hard Um, the strikeout rates and the walk rates were pretty similar Um, nothing really jumped out which makes me believe that there's something in there and like he mentioned that change um, in the interview in the clip we just played which can be big for him but the encouraging part is that to me, it seems like it seems like he has hit balls hard, and that was anecdotal. I just had to go check that just to make sure, you know, I was seeing things right. But um, that is what leads you to believe that he could go on a, a pretty good run here once he gets going. Um, he's been a- unable to get above the Mendoza line, but he's had some good games. Like he had that double in San Diego that broke the tie in the eighth inning, uh, gave him the lead in the eighth inning. Um, he had the home run today. Um, in New York, he had a two-run double, I believe, in that seven-run inning. Um, and so, he's had a, he's had a few of these big hits. He just hasn't really gotten the results, and I don't know why that is. I mean, the BABIP doesn't jump out, you know, the page, the batting average on balls in play um, doesn't jump off the page to me. His average exit velocity and, and things like that are good. The hard hit rate. Um, so I, I think everything is really there, uh, which is. Encouraging, but can also be frustrating because you wonder why he's not getting the results. I just think that he's been better than probably, you know, the average shows.
1: What did we learn about the Mets this week?
2: The Mets um, are for they're for real. Uh, they are for real. That lineup is a lot deeper. The at bats that I'm seeing this year are a lot tougher and um, just a lot. Uh, they're grinding more than than they were a year ago. Uh, they're in better position because of that deeper lineup to avoid some of the a lot of the struggles with runners in scoring position that came to define their 2021 season um, when they missed the postseason again. Um, and then that pitching staff, man, especially if they get back to Grom, um, it's going to be tough because the Braves saw four really good pitchers in that series, and they didn't see Max Scherzer or Jacob Degrom. Sure. Um, and it, it leads you to believe. I think the question I left asking was, who are they going to kick out of this rotation? Um, once Degrom is back, or and I know things always work themselves out, but they're definitely for real. Um, the Braves have a sure contender in the Mets. Um, and it doesn't seem like the Mets are slowing down as we're recording this. They're uh, the Braves are within you know five and a half games, um, of first place. But the Mets are playing right now uh, the doubleheader against the Phillies. But yeah, for as good as the Braves are, top to bottom. I think the Mets are just as good. The Mets are just playing better right now overall and have had a better start to the season. I don't think that means the Braves are worse. I think the Braves showed that, you know, even in a time when Acuna was still getting back and getting his legs under him and kind of getting getting his timing back and getting his rhythm and getting more at-bats, the Braves are every bit as good as the Mets are, and the Braves showed that in a time when maybe they weren't really playing their best baseball and they were going through a rough start. And so... That, you know, if you're the Braves, has to feel good. Uh, but the Mets, you know, I've always said I'll see it when I believe it with this team just because they're always known for that collapse. But this team looks really good. I think they uh, the obvious weakness is the bullpen right now, especially with Trevor May hurt, and he had been struggling because of those physical issues before. But um, the obvious weakness to me is, is the bullpen in front of Edwin Diaz. But, you know, lineup is good top to bottom, and they've got a ton of depth. Like whenever you're considering – whether to option Dominic Smith to, for the roster trimming, a guy who could start at a lot of places at first base, uh, that just shows you how deep you are and the rotation is, is pretty stacked too.
1: Now, we do want to remind you that the only way that you can get all of Justin's coverage is to become a subscriber to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, and we do have a special offer for Braves fans that want to join the community. We call it our Season Pass, and you get unlimited digital access to all of the AJC, not just the Braves, but everything we have to offer online for the next eight months for just $39.99, so that's $125 a week, which is half off our regular offer. Plus, you get our official Worth the Wait Championship front-page edition as well as our special gifts. So take advantage of this all for now and go to subscribe.ajc.com slash season pass. That is subscribe.ajc.com slash season pass for unlimited Braves coverage for just $39.99. All right, next up this week, day off Monday, then two with the Red Sox and then three with the Padres. Tuesday, it's Kyle Wright against Garrett Whitlock. Wednesday, Ian Anderson gets Nathan Navaldi. A little surprised to see that Boston is dead last in a division that also includes the Baltimore Orioles.
2: Uh, Yep. That is surprising to see, to be behind the Orioles by multiple games. You take a quick look at Boston's schedule and just the results and scores. This team, which is predicated on its offense, built around its offense right now, isn't hitting. I think five runs in the last three or four games, just lost a series to the White Sox. They're not hitting. Um, They're keeping teams' run totals down, but they're not hitting. And that's what Kyle Wright said today, is that, hey, he knows they're struggling, but he knows that These guys are too good to struggle much longer, and he's seen them a lot in spring training. He knows it's different now, but he feels like he's got a good pulse on their identity. So it's going to be interesting, especially because these guys who have a lot of power in that lineup are really struggling.
1: All right, now time to go to the Braves Report mailbag. Take your questions off of Justin's Twitter account, which is? Justin C. Toscano. First up, Tamara Meredith. Should we start to worry about Tyler Matzik? And before you answer, here's what Snit had to say on Sunday. You know what, I'm
0: glad, that, I'm glad that he walked off the mound at the end of the inning. And, um, it, you know, he's just going through some mechanical things and all. Because when you make that play like he did, there, there's nothing going on, you know, anywhere else. It's just, you know, his mechanics and repeating his delivery and things like that. He just, he's um, got to work through. And, and um, I'm just glad he, like I said, I'm glad he started the inning and finished
2: the inning
1: as dominant as he has been it obviously is glaring when he's not but what do you what do you think about Matzik? should we worry
2: a tad concerned only because it's been so bad so unlike him but this has been such a confined stretch that maybe he's just getting it out now the mechanical things are obvious because he threw 23 fastballs in the outing before this one no breaking balls he obviously doesn't really you know have or you know feel that breaking ball um i think he He should be fine. I mean, relievers go through these spells. Bullpens are volatile. It's it's just a hard game. I I think he'll be fine. No need for major concern just yet, but it is a tad concerning.
1: We will give the Spencer Strider question to Victor Herrera. When is Spencer Strider going to start?
2: Well, the Braves don't need another... I can't remember the date, but they don't need a fifth starter for a while just because the off day today, uh, Monday, um, and then the off day Thursday, and another one the 19th. But... Rest assured, I think when the fifth starter spot comes around again, my prediction is that you know, he'll probably get the first look if you know even if that's with an opener in front of him, he'll get a good chunk of that game because he's proven he can do it. and uh, who knows what's going to be going on with Wasker, you know, uh, or uh, Bryce Elder at that time?
1: From Stanley Burgess, he says, "I'm not calling for Michael Harris II to be promoted to Atlanta. It is way too soon for that. but Do you see him in Gwinnett anytime soon? I saw him play two games last weekend, and I don't know what else he can prove in double-A or how much more he can develop there. He needs a challenge, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, that's an interesting point. I I certainly think, um, I'm not sure what their timeline would be on that, but I certainly think he could be there pretty soon. You look at him and what he's done there in terms of getting on base, hitting for power, hitting in general, um, and he's just a, a tremendous athlete. You know, I think eventually they're going to want to get him a shot against better competition and have him keep climbing the ladder because, yeah, he he has had a really hot start to the season, so it shouldn't be long before we see him in AAA. Drew Waters is in AAA,
1: and he's hitting five thirty-eight over three
2: games. Yeah, hasn't really played because of that hamstring issue, that tightness that forced the Braves to scratch him from the third game of their exhibition slate in the Grapefruit League, um, and he missed time with that. But upon his return, um, hit a home run, and that first at bat back, Hasn't really played, though. Still dealing with the hamstring issue, it appears. Um, So who knows what's going to be up with him.
1: Harsha, and I apologize if I pronounced that name wrong, has uh, the Mike Soroka question. What is a reasonable expectation for Soroka if or when he returns post-All-Star break?
2: Right. I think a reasonable expectation is to put him somewhere in the rotation Um, the plan is for him currently the plan is for him to be a starting pitcher for them and so I think a reasonable expectation out of the gate is hey you know four innings and see if you can chunk the game with maybe a long reliever behind him somebody like you know Spencer Strider if he's not in the rotation or someone you know like Jackson Stevens or or something like that we can put a long reliever behind him you don't put too much pressure on him Um, but yeah the, the plan is for him to be a starting pitcher when he's back.
1: You know what I notice is uh, when we do a show after the Braves win, we get less questions than when we do one after they lose.
2: Uh, yeah, that's they, they usually tends to be that way. People are able to take a deep breath, relax, enjoy the rest of their Sundays, in this case, the rest of their mother's days. Um, and they're al- they're allowed to to take the the foot off the gas a little bit, Jay. I mean, they don't need to they don't need to press about every little thing, worry about every little thing. it's It's a good feeling. you know, they're going into the off day with uh, a win for their team.
1: But that's what we're here for. If you need to vent, that's what Justin's here for. So you can vent on Twitter. Finally, winners of the week, you first.
2: Um, All mothers. uh, Celebrating all mothers today. Had the pink bats, the pink socks, the pink gloves, whatever. Um, All mothers are big winners on this day, uh, and for good reason, play a special and important role in our lives. Um, And so I think all mothers, or mother figures, are winners, uh, winners on this Mother's Day.
1: And happy Mother's Day to my mom, Teresa Black. And my winner of the week is the catchers. Travis Darno was selected as the best catcher of the month. He's hitting two ninety-nine, the best average among any catcher with more than 60 at-bats. Even threw a couple of guys out, which was great. And uh, William Contreras hit a big, big, big fly today, and he's got three homers, which is as many as Matt
2: Olson. I mean, Contreras has really come on. I think uh, in Texas, Snit said that, uh, you know, the kid's toolsy. Like, he's, he's got everything, and it's a matter of experience. He's really gotten some ups from his teammates, the starting pitchers, on the way he's called games behind the plate, which is terrific news because – the Braves knew what was in the bat, and to see that now, um, and to see that in the you know the fashion of power hitting balls over the wall or drawing that bases loaded walk, I mean, it's going to be interesting. You know, when Manny Pena is allowed to return off the injured list, it's it's going to be tough to kick Contreras off this this roster for now, even if that might be the the likeliest move um, to get him just consistent playing time. All
1: right, so that's where we will leave it for this episode of the Braves Report. Please, again, rate, review, follow, share, and subscribe. It really does help us grow the show. If we do get your feedback, we'll take your positive reviews, of course. But if you've got some negative ones, we'll take the critiques as well so we can improve. Until then, Justin, we will see you again next Monday. All right, we'll see you guys. And that's it for the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Council.
3: And with the year that we have unfolding in politics, it's going to be an exciting ride. Read Bill Nygut's Expert Insight on ajc.com and listen to the Politically Georgia podcast with me, Greg Bluestein. And me, Patricia Murphy. And me,
0: Tia Mitchell. Hear new episodes every weekday.
3: Only from the Atlanta Journal Constitution.
0: I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash
3: ATL. Only
0: from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.